Hi, welcome to Lambert Park Church. Our vision is life with God for the world. Our mission is to invite everyone to follow Jesus with us through redemptive community, intentional discipleship, and everyday mission. We're so glad you're here. Stay tuned for the podcast coming right up. Let's pray and we'll enter into scripture today. Living God, you who made the world love the world that you've made and who have come and who promised to come again and who have not abandoned us in between, but by the grace of your spirit, you are here and you are at work. You breathe the church into life. You are loving the world and you are present in the life of your body, especially across the globe today. As we think of suffering in other parts of the world, particularly Ukraine, we lift up our sisters and brothers to you who today, um, hours ago, half a day ago gathered, but probably far beyond Sunday morning, are gathering in prayer, seeking your face, asking for your mercy and grace, asking for your empowering to be your hands and feet, a city on a hill, salt and light in the brokenness of their world. We ask God for your grace and you're empowering your mercy, your comfort for those who grieve today, here and across the world. Lord, as we enter Advent, as we enter what everyone around us calls the Christmas season, would you pull us into Advent? Would you cause us to cry out, O come, O come, Emmanuel, with hope, with longing, with hope, Lord. Thank you for your word that you have not left us to make this up, but you have revealed yourself to us in history, in scripture, and in your son, Jesus. So once again, we bow before you and ask that by your spirit, you would give us ears to hear your voice today. We pray this for our kids downstairs, for our Apex middle school students, and for us right here. Lead us to yourself, Jesus. Amen. All right, if, if you are brand new, my name is Scott Anderson, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's nice to meet you. I'm glad to meet you beyond the stage. Um, if you are slipping in today, we are on the final Sunday of the greatest series of the world. Just kidding. Um, uh, we are on the final Sunday of a study, a false study on the gospel and our everyday lives right here where we are, a series that we've called Life with God for the World, which is actually our vision as a church. And right from the beginning of the series, I've tried to really frame the study with an aim towards the last phrase of that, for the world. Uh, because the Christian faith, the Christian life, at least according to Jesus, isn't ultimately just about you and Jesus, or me and Jesus, but us becoming alive with God for the world. Us becoming alive in God's heart and God's passions for our everyday lives to be a blessing to others. I quoted at the start um, uh, something from Rick McKinley, who I think beautifully distills this. He says, the practical promise of our faith journey together is this. As we live in fidelity to Christ the King, his inbreaking reign will have a transformational effect on us, our communities, and our world. That's what we see in the Gospels. That's what we see in the, the story of the Gospel 
uh, coming into people's lives, forming the church in the book of Acts and going out into the world, right? The gospel did it, had its way in, in people and then in them together and then in them together for the sake of the world. And God's blessing and grace is revealed and worked out. So I've tried to ground this study throughout the whole fall with a view towards where we are, where you are, where we are in this city and in every city, our life with God right here, because this is what God is after. And this morning, as we come to the close of this study, I want to actually call our attention away from right here to another city. Another city for the sake of this city, which might seem like an odd idea, but I hope you'll stick with me and find this to be helpful because I'm convinced it is. Now, if you think of the Bible as a grand story, it begins where? It begins in a garden, Genesis, in a garden. That's right. Think all the way to the end. Where does it end? It ends in a city. Or rather, it ends with a new beginning in a city. A city that Revelation 21 refers to as the holy city. The city where God will reign and rule over all and where all will be blessed in him, with him. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it with me to Revelation chapter 21. Um, and if your Bible includes the Old Testament, put a finger in Isaiah 60 as well. Um, and if you want later on, I'd recommend go back and reread these two chapters and discover all the connections. It's amazing. I'll, I'll draw some out today. But Revelation 21. Let's listen together to what God wants us to know about this other city, this holy city. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. In case you love the ocean, that's not a reference to there no longer being any oceans. In the ancient world, in the biblical imagination, the sea is the place of the forces of chaos. Genesis 1, God hovers over the waters. God hovers over, is sovereign over the forces of chaos. In Revelation 21, the forces of chaos are gone. I no longer see any sea. And I saw, verse 2, I saw what? Clouds? People eating cream cheese, playing harps? Souls floating in space? Gardens? Eden? No, I saw... A holy city, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Note that the city, where the city comes from, it comes down from heaven, out of heaven, from God. Which means this great and holy city will not be something that you or I bring about, but something that God is making Something of God's making. A city that God will build and bring. Thank God. And of this city, the city that will be the eternal home of all who are in Christ, John writes, verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look. In other words, pay attention. This is huge. Look. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God he will wipe every tear from their eyes. 
there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. In other words, life in the eternal city, the holy city, the city where God reigns will not be as it is in our city today, as it is in cities across the world today. Think of Colorado Springs. Think of Kabul, Kiev, Tehran, Jerusalem, cities shaking with grief, trauma, chaos, wars. Life in the eternal city will not be as it is in this city, in these cities today. Thank God. Verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Or as most translations have it, behold, I am making all things new. We'll come back to that. And then in verse 22, John picks up on his description of the city. He writes, 21 verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Chapter 22, verse 1. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Verse 3, no longer will there be any curse. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. They will, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of a sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Taken seriously, John's vision is startling, but it's actually nothing new it's filled with echoes, if not direct quotes, from Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Jesus himself. And central to it all, John describes the life that is to come as a life lived not in the clouds or in a garden, but in a city. A city where God dwells and reigns over all. A city where human culture is renewed. It's one of the things that has surprised me as I've studied this over the years. A city where human culture is renewed, not thrown aside, burned away, so God will start from scratch, but where the good and valuable work of humanity down through the centuries will actually be somehow reclaimed, refined, and renewed 
for the glory of God and the blessing of his people. Revelation 21, verse 24, I read it for us, says, the kings of the earth will bring their splendor to the city. Revelation 21, verse 26 says, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Isaiah 60 says this in so many ways. Do you see this? What the nations have accomplished for their own glory will be brought into God's eternal city now and forever for God's glory. Many of us need to hear this. I think we've often heard, thought, been taught, taught ourselves that at the judgment, pretty much everything will be burned up. Everything in our lives, everything in history will simply disappear burned up in God's holy fire, and only our souls will survive and live on into eternity. But here, John, the apostle, inspired by the Spirit, tells us, in keeping with God promised through Isaiah chapter 60, that rather than being burned away, what was created and done for the pride and glory of men and women and nations will be brought into God's kingdom and reclaimed for God's glory. The kings of the earth, Revelation 21, verse 24, the kings of the earth will bring their splendor to this city. Splendor they enjoyed apart from God for their own glory will be brought in and offered to God. Verse 26, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. The cultures of the world, the creative acts of humanity the good and beautiful things that men and women have created and done with the gifts that God has given them, but not for his glory, will all finally be submitted to God and reclaimed for his glory and the blessing of his people. I don't know about you, but I think this is amazing, beautiful. An expression of God's delight, not just in what he has made, but in what he has made us to make what he has gifted us, called us, created us to create with him for his glory. And not only that, not only will the eternal city be a place of cultural renewal, but the eternal city will be, according to Revelation and Isaiah and so much else, will be marked by the restoration of shalom, something our hearts ache for in these days as we think about the cities of our world. The restoration of all of our relationships, our relationship with creation, with one another, with ourselves, and with God, where now we experience so much brokenness and alienation, we will experience the blessing and fullness of God's shalom. Listen to what God says through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 60, verse 17 and following. And if, if you don't have a a dark place to imagine this in. And I almost think that's helpful. Like, imagine Christians today in Tehran, in the upheaval of Iran and all that's going on, or in wherever. Hear these words. Isaiah 60, verse 17. I will make peace your governor and well-being your ruler. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls, the walls of your city, salvation, and your gates, praise. Your sun will never set again. Your moon will wane no more. The Lord, Yahweh, will be your everlasting light, and your days of sorrow will end. Verse 21 
Then will all your people be righteous. And don't just hear that as religious, but alive with God's goodness and holiness, godliness. Then all your people will be righteous and they will possess the land forever. They are the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands for the display of my glory. John picks this up in Revelation 21 from Isaiah 60 when he says that in God's eternal kingdom, when God makes his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And then we come to that beautiful verse, Revelation 22, verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. That's a city we long to be in, right? As the old song says, oh, how I long to be in that number. Creation, right now that is groaning, hemorrhaging, creation will be fruitful as God intended. Humanity, our hearts, our lives, will flourish with the righteousness of God. Our relationships, our shared life, our communal life will be marked by God's grace and mercy and forgiveness and blessing and selflessness. The curse will be but a memory if that. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. No more violence, lust, greed, betrayal, loneliness, pride, depression, cutting words, fear, destruction, but in its place, righteousness, peace, joy, selflessness, fruitful labor, soul-satisfying rest, beauty, bounty, blessing, shalom. Life as God intended it. Which I think is the part of all this that most of us often think about and long for. God's shalom, and, and we should. God gave the revelation to John and told him to write it down so that we would know this and be captured by this vision. But we need to realize that all of this, all we've described so far, as good as it is, is just the overflow of something else, something greater. And this something greater is that we will finally and fully be with the one who is the greatest good, God himself. This is the all-consuming, dominating, most essential reality of life in the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven in the eternal city. This is what brings shalom. This is what brings renewal, that God will be there, and not just there, but with us, with us, in a personal, palpable, all-consuming way, with us, and we will be with him in a deeper, more satisfying, more sanctifying, more joy-producing, life-giving way than we could ever imagine. He will be the center of all, the source of all joy. In the language of Isaiah 60, verse 19, the sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. The sun will will not, never set again. Your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of sorrow will end. Why will they end? Because God, the God of all comfort, will be with us and we will be with him in a way that will heal all wounds, restore all broken desires, and fill us with joy.
Revelation 21, verse 3, look, look, pay attention, this is everything, look. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God.